good evening, afternoon, or morning, depending on when you're listening. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Documentation Not Included. It's Thursday, 7 p.m. BST. We are live on twitch.tv slash DNI stream. And it's time for the next show in our freelancing series, episode 11.7, The Art of Networking. I am Josie Howarth, and as always, I am joined by the white truffle to my beef jerky, Chris <laughs> Seabock. <laughs> I like that one. That's a good one. Uh, yes, I, you actually understood that I, one. I did, yeah. I'm, I'm useless most of the time. Considering the amount of sleep I had last night as well, I'm amazed that I'm understanding anything right now. So Sorry mm. if I slur my words today. Um, so yes, hello Josie and hello to everybody in chat. There is quite a lot of things going on in chat today. There's uh, yes, a fair yes. few people there, so hello to everyone. Please do get involved with the show. Ask any questions, make any comments, anything relevant, funny, or otherwise, we may very well read it out. Uh, we may very well engage, so do get involved. Um, before we get going, let me introduce this week's guest, guest, Sarah Phipps. Is that correct? Yes, that is correct. Should have confirmed that. That's how professional I am. I should have confirmed how to say your <laughs> I name. I even introduced last <laughs> name. So, yes. Hello, Sarah. Can, can you please, for the benefit of our guests, introduce yourself, tell them why you're here and what you do? My name is Sarah. Like Chris said, I am a freelance graphic designer. I have my own company and I like to work in my PJs as much as possible. <laughs> That's a very good introduction. I don't work in my PJs, but I'll get them on as soon as I can. About two o'clock in the afternoon is usually the average time. To four o'clock, maybe I'll push. Yeah. Well, as they say, one of the nicest things about being a consultant freelancer thing that works from home is you do get to pick your wardrobe. And sometimes that can be PJs. But before we get started, as always, we're about to do our icebreaker question. And this is just a question we asked before the show gives you a chance to get to know us, get to know our guest, and hopefully wake Chris's brain up because he does look a little bit tired today. <laughs> oh, as I knock things over on my desk. So here's my question for you. You have now become the ruler of a country. What do you name your country? Seabock Town. Sabak Townville. Guests on her again. I'm going to have to think, actually. What would you name your country? And I ask this to you guys in chat as well. Please let us know. I'd love to know what you would name your country if you were in charge of country. Any, just what would you name it? Epic Acres. Epic Acres. Interesting. Mm. I don't, I've never thought of this. I've never, ever thought. And I'm about as creative as an antelope today. I'm not, honestly, I haven't got anything. I wonder if it's a woman thing. I know Sarah and I have discussed many times owning our own country, so. Oh, no. I thought, I it, was, was... I thought it was an island, not, not a well, whole country. But it can be a country. Your island can be a country, oh, Caroline. Sue mm. in chat says, love land. She's oh, very close to that? what I would call my land. Yes, I will call my lands the aspects of love. The thing is, right? I haven't. I, ha I can't come up with a name. I'm useless at naming things. I'm useless at, uh, at the creative aspects. But I've already sorted out all of the rules, all of the all of the laws, <laughs> all of the things that people can and can't do. That's all. That's all already already sorted. Um, I don't know. Seabock Townville. Yeah. See, for my most, the best name, I would need to know a lot more about, like, the geographic location, the weather, the kind of population, agriculture. Therefore, I can name it more, most appropriately, which is kind of how I also make logos. Like, what's your target demographic? What is your industry? Okay, here are colors that work. Here are words that work. 
That's um, how I have to, that's how I'd have to name my country. I need to know what, what's the topical location of the highest mountain peak and what are the color of the sheep? That's quite an American Obviously thing though, isn't plaid. it? Obviously plaid. Because a lot of places um, in America are named after the places they are or what they're ne- next to or what they're near. I mean, we've got- Or they're named after dead people that we now regret naming after. <laughs> yeah. Or they are named after things that don't make sense. Don't forget Intercourse, Pennsylvania. Oh, been or there. Been there. I've got a sticker downstairs. Hell, Michigan. Hell, Michigan. Yeah. Hell, Michigan. It freezes over every year, so... Oh. <laughs> El Gordino says Simtropolis. Volstrats is brilliant, and I wish I'd have thought of it. Misanthropia. Population Ooh, me. Ooh, I like oh. that. Love it. Uh, yeah, I'm not even going to try and answer it. So anyway, so I, to... I like the idea of Sibok Townville, Ville Town, Sibok Chester. Sibok. That that that'd be the capital, not necessarily the name of the country. No, yeah, yeah, you're right. Yeah. Uh, useless anyway uh, right i'll say yes on to today's show and today's topic which is the art of networking aptly named because sarah networks and sarah is an artist what do you prefer artist or, or graphic artist or i i like any title that makes me sound fancy uh, <laughs> <laughs> i had a business card that had literally 16 titles like it was my name was this big and i had all these titles because like oh i do this i do that like eventually it just like, this is a little excessive. Do you want to know what Sarah's title is? Supreme Leader. It's in her emails. Mm-hmm. She is Supreme Leader. <laughs> See, anyway. I run my own country, apparently. Apparently so. <laughs> so, yes, today's subject is the art of networking. And this is not the art of networking as in computers, lands, wands, you know, all the geeky stuff that we normally talk about. This is actually what we do when we go out and speak to people when we go out and engage with human beings. Almost, <laughs> almost what we're doing right now, in fact. This is a form of networking when you look at uh, it is. what we're doing here. We're speaking to people in chat. We're building a community. We have guests on. All of this is kind of networking. We will, you know. And in fact, let's, let, I suppose let's explore that immediately. Josie. Oh, okay. Yes. I'm going off script here. I'm going mad. I'm going I rogue. I, he's gone rogue, folks. It just he's, occurred he's to me. He's got his own country, and now all of a sudden he's on the place he thinks he's in power. <laughs> it just occurred to me that that the only reason Sarah is on here right now is because of networking. Yeah. Because she is within your network. She is. And in fact, absolutely every single guest that we have had on the show has been connected to one of us one way or another. Even if that connection was a reach out going, hey, your website is crazy and we're doing a development podcast. Can we have you on to talk about something? Because this is really cool. Well, so, that yes. was actually that that one example in particular was achieved via social networking, which is a different type of networking. But let's yes. start, let's start with the initial question that I uh, I wanted to ask Sarah to start off with, which is, Ooh. tell us why we should network as freelancers. Well, mainly because if you work from home, you don't get to you're not in an office environment that you're surrounded by all these other people. You don't have your colleagues right next to you like you can't go over someone's cubicle wall and ask them a question or get their insight about something you have to go and outreach to meet people when i started freelancing full-time about five years ago it was very lonely because i came from a full office environment where there was like maybe 30 other people in just my department i was never alone and then i go from that to 
I am completely by myself. Like, yeah, this is great. I have all this freedom. And then it just, it's so quiet. You start hearing the little crickets in the background. Like, oh, there's, there's no one here to give me feedback. There's no one here to talk to, to talk shop with. Like, what can I do about that? So I started looking into networking groups, just even like-minded creatives. Like, hey, here's a chance to get out, see what other people are working on. You know, if, they need my services or I could tap into their services. And because really working by yourself, it it is a bubble. It is a vacuum and it could be very detrimental to your work in the long run because like, oh, yeah, this looks great. This looks great. You throw it out there in the real world and you don't get the response you were expecting because you didn't get that feedback. So going out and meeting people, even just in like a casual atmosphere, there's a bunch of places where it's just come join us for happy hour and just talk shop. Let's complain mm-hmm. and bitch about our clients just for like, you know, 20 minutes in a beer, you know, stuff like that. It, it's so much more refreshing. I'm a very social person. So I absolutely had to gravitate to that because otherwise I was going to go insane. Mm. It's interesting. It's interesting you'd, you'd say that. I, I think it depends on who I ask that question. Uh, the, there are people that I would ask that question and they would say um, to get clients, obviously. Well, okay, here's where I'm going to jump in on this. I have uh, a networking group for a couple of different things that I do um, that are in scope of what I run my company for and completely out of scope for what I run my company for. And each one of them has a purpose. One I go to learn from. So uh, one of the networking groups that I am a part of is all about helping everyone learn and understand concepts that they may not understand on a particular topic. Uh, In my case, it's WordPress, because I do a lot of my clients' works with WordPress. Uh, I've also looked at joining things like Drupal groups that are local in the area and other code-based groups as well. I've also looked at starting a few, because I want to encourage people to get involved in the world of anything involving tech. So there's things like tech moms and things like that, that I'm also fascinated by. But then there's the other side where it's like getting out there and actually meeting people is kind of cool because you just have people that have a interest. You have, you, you find your networking groups based on a interest. You don't just show up somewhere and go, I want to network. It's, <laughs> this is the networking group of, in my case, writers. So the group gets together, they put their head down at the coffee shop. Like when this group walks in together, they all pick this one back part of a particular cafe that does coffee. Everyone sits down, laptops come out. All the acknowledgement you get in that networking group is this brief nod and everyone's headphones are on and they're all writing, 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 writing. Then a timer basically kind of goes off at a certain time. Everybody packs up. Then they acknowledge the presence of everyone and go, hey, how are you doing? How's your book doing? Oh, did you get that script to that guy that you wanted to get him to? Oh, did you get the feedback that you were looking for? Cool. Let's go grab a beer real quick. And then everyone separates. It's dependent. I think networking can help you get clients. But if that's the only purpose of you doing it, I think you're missing out big time on all of the other things you can get from the experience. And if it's because I, 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 I'm, I'm in a different place than a lot of people. I My said that to be devil's advocate. Me. I, oh, I know. I, I'm not. I'm not. Do I don't network. In fact, I don't network at the moment at all. But when I did network, I didn't network for the business. But I networked at a business networking meeting, which is distinctly different from what both of you just mentioned. You've mentioned like like minded groups where you go along to bounce off other people and to um, to stifle the loneliness. You know, to to uh, to stop you going from 
going crazy. Uh, and I don't want to hear the voices in my head. Which I want I, to hear other people's voices. <laughs> I did do that when I was in the gaming community and I was writing a computer mm. game. I went to gaming networking events specifically. Oh, I discovered you. Uh, was it? I discovered you because I was running a gaming-centric oh, kind right. of podcast. No, right, you are. And at that moment in my life, I was doing a lot of physical networking as well. Um, the mm. It's different when you go to a business networking meeting, so breakfast clubs. Um, I go, go. I used to go to a local one. Um, it was it was solicitors from the local area, builders, tradesmen, um, accountants. There was a web designer there, you know that kind of thing. Basically, lots of different businesses, and you can only have one person from each business sector. So there could not be another software consultant there when I went. I had that market sector, essentially. And that is how what business ne networking groups generally work, like the BNI. Mm -hmm. um, BNI is a big one in the UK. It ch charges you thousands of pounds to, to join. We the have the same thing here, too. Yeah, you know, The only per people who win in that si situation, really, are the people who are running the networking event. Um, unless... Pyramid scam, damn it. Pyramid scam. Yeah, to an extent, <laughs> yes. But there is also what you put in, you get out. I noticed that when I went to the networking, people couldn't care less about what I do. They they have no interest whatsoever. I try and sell myself. I'm awful at it anyway. I got better at speaking in front of people while I was there. And I also got business mentor, mentorship. That was what I got from it. And I, I learned how to set, how to be more of a, uh, a businessman and how to speak to people in less technical terms and, and how to not earn an are and you know fill all the spaces in that i used to fill in um, um, <laughs> um but, but it, right out the window i yeah, guess right out the window yeah i've not been for a while and i'm tired um that's the fourth time i've mentioned that today um so the, the point is is that there's so many different types there's yeah. online networking there's there's networking in events. There's, there's business networking where people... I mean, there were so many people at that business group that, that just went for business. I mean, especially a lot of the tradespeople. They were there and they got so many referrals. They got so many slips handed to them. Oh, my, my neighbor needs a new roof doing or I've got an electrical problem that needs sorting out. Loads of... Brilliant for tradespeople. But for people like me who specialize, who is trying to sell a fairly specialized service to small businesses that probably don't have the budget for huge software projects mm. that I would initiate, start, hire people for, you know. It's not suitable for me. I'm going to shut up in a second. Um, my 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 preference now is these groups that you talk about, these like-minded people. I've actually signed up for a few, um, e a few emails with, you know, like CodeUp and uh, various other places just to kind of get a feel of what is around here there isn't much around where i am unfortunately but i do want to get into that again at some point you know it's it's interesting um we've had someone on the show actually it was the individual that i reached out to about his website and he was talking about how in his case he created something because there wasn't something there so maybe maybe just maybe that might be a thing for you to look at especially if you have such limited um resources or places to network out. I will state that for me, having been around like-minded individuals, there are some goods and some bads to that. 
Uh, one, some goods. I found someone that was I was able to pull in as a contractor to help me finish a huge project that just got sort of thrown at us. And it was just like, ah, and I needed the extra resources. And I found it through that networking. Um, and I also have had people reach out to me and go, I know you're in the same league as I am. I know you're doing the same stuff I'm doing. I just need an extra five hours. Can you please just do this? It's boring as hell. It's data entry. It's basically, you know, moving stuff from one. No, sadly, it's like Word documents into an SQL database. And it's just like, yeah, I got this. I'll help. Not a problem. So there is a way to find the client stuff there. But something that I at least have discovered for me for with the networking side of things is when I'm around people who understand when I use a term that someone else kind of gets that glazed over look in their eyes and their jaw kind of slacks and they're like, uh-huh, uh-huh. You know they're not paying attention. But when you're around people who understand what you're saying, there's a confidence level that comes from that, which makes reaching out to newer clients a lot easier because you have those people sitting there going, yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about and here's how I handled it. Or they turn to you and you go, that's interesting because the way I did it was this. They're like, oh, well, this is what I did. And you know what? That worked. You were right. All of a sudden there's this sort of steel that gets injected into your spine because mm. it's, it's not like you need to have someone patting you on the back. And like we've discussed before, paper warriors mean nothing. You know, having other people in your peer network who understand you, who turn around and go, yes, all of a sudden there's this sense of, okay, I can do this. I do understand what I'm talking about. And that can be really, really, really powerful. And it can be very inspirational. I can relate directly to that, not in a networking sense, but um, at the moment I'm I'm battling against, I'm a, I have an uphill battle um, against people. I'm the only person who does commercial software development where uh, with my current client. Mm. I'm trying to get people on board with the process and it's very difficult to do that because nobody really fully, they under, they're very clever and they know their domain of expertise very, very well, but they don't understand my domain whatsoever and it's it's difficult today i had a meeting with some of those people and an external vendor and one of the people uh, that i was speaking to as an external vendor was a tech lead somebody who understands what i do and it was after weeks and weeks of banging my head against a wall it was just nice in the context in the nice little box off context of of that particular part of my world it was really nice to have that yeah that you're right you're you this is this is how you do it you know you're not going absolutely stir crazy this is correct you know yes not networking but almost in fact something networking possibly might have came from the whole conversation but beside beside from that hmm. i i find networking with you know people in the same field very refreshing for the sake that we like to share our little insights and our secrets like one person who's new to the industry because we had a, a round table a couple weeks ago and like oh i just started freelancing you know what tips can you give me just starting out because i quit my full-time job i'm diving headfirst into this like well first of all you need to have your six months you know parachute ready they're like what are you talking about like you need to have six months of expenses saved up so you can still pay your bills even if you don't have work and she's like oh i i didn't do that or another another one asked uh, like oh how do you follow up with clients 
It's like, well, if I know I need to email somebody the next day, I will draft the email the night before, connect all files and documents. And I'm like, hey, I'm talking about this, I'm talking about that. And then when I wake up in the morning, all I have to do is hit send. And I have like 12 drafted emails ready to go the next morning. So I don't have to wake up early and type everything. So as soon as it's nine o'clock, that's when I'm officially on the clock. I will send all of those emails like, okay, I can check that off my list because I did it the day before. Just staying on top, just little, little insights like that that we share with each other because some people do it differently. And when they ask, like, oh, how do you do it? Like, well, I, I do it this way. Same thing, like, if we're using Adobe Illustrator and I open up my document and people are like, what's all this stuff on the side? Like, this is my process. I keep copies of copies of copies in case, like, oh, this was really working out three steps ago, but I already saved my document. And if you don't save your iterations, like, oh, I regret because it looked really good that way. I want to go back to it. And it's just sharing those little tidbits and insider secrets <clears throat> Because I did start off with the the business networking where it was a BNI group and people were trying to get me to join because they had no graphic designers, but everybody was trying to sell themselves so hard. All they wanted were clients. They didn't want to network in the way of making good, solid connections like, oh, yeah, I'm going to refer you to these people that need X, Y and Z. That's what you provide. Anytime I would tell somebody, oh, I'm a graphic designer, they would think like, oh, you do printing and stuff like that. Like I can make stuff that you can print. So it was, it's a very specialized field for what I do. And they, I had to educate them and that's always with clients. It's always with people that are not in the industry. It's all about education. It's all about layman terms, not making them feel stupid because it's like, Oh, I've said this a hundred times to 20 other people in just this meeting alone. But it's like, no, they, they genuinely don't know. And if you give them good information, then they appreciate that. And then if they meet another person in your industry or your field, like, Oh, I understand. I talked to another, you know, person who does the exact same thing that you did and they don't feel quite so alienated from the process. Even if they don't understand, like, I don't know what you do, what you do, but okay, go ahead and do it. I trust you. If you sound like you know what you're talking about, then it eventually it starts to get to them like, oh yeah, it's okay that I'm good at what I do. You're good at what you do. Let's, we don't have to cross the paths on that. And networking is a good way to introduce people to what you do if they've never met, you know, a programmer or a developer or a designer in person and actually had to interact with them because all the industries I've ever been in, the creative department is segregated. We're right next to the IT technical help desk. And we would cross paths every now and then. And then the bosses from management or financing are like, we need this, this, and this. And we had to work together with each other, even though we didn't speak literally the same language sometimes. Mm. And <laughs> it's, it's just, you got to learn how to mesh with people. And eventually I got tired of that. And that's why I started trying to find more other creatives because like, Hey, I want to talk shop with people. How do you find clients? Because we're in the same industry. You know, what are your tips and tricks? Because somebody who's a roofer goes after their customers and clients completely differently than graphic designers and what we do. There is something also to be said when you are around people who don't are not in any way, shape, or form in your industry, like the business side of networking uh, more so than the peer side of networking. You learn about industries in a way that allows you to better serve clients that you get in the future. Mm-hmm. Because you learn about, you know, some of the the shop talk that, say, a roofer would use or a lawyer would use versus 
say something that a charity would use. Um, you learn terms just like they would learn from you. They're basically arming you for the job battle for the war mm -hmm. that you're fighting this proactive, long drawn out, do we have food on the table or not kind of thing. Because when you're freelancing contracting or you're running your own company, you need customers, period. Mm -hmm. I, I found um, by the end of, of my networking experiences or my business networking experiences, I'm not sure I'll do it again, to be fair, the business side. I, may, I think I'll probably end up pursuing the peer, the peer um, networking. I, I didn't necessarily find it frustrating that people, I couldn't explain myself to people because that was almost a given. I was in the geek corner. I was um, I was with the IT guy who did who who run an IT company, the web developer, um, software consultant myself, and then also a PR guy for some reason was lumped in with us because he was a bit geeky and he wore glasses. Yes, it was that kind of thing, and they were just like the, basically wow. the corner was poo pooed as the the you know if we've got anything technical we'll ask them. I had one guy um, bring a hard drive to me and say I've lost my photos, can you sort it out? And that's so nothing like that. What I do, it no. was almost a little bit insulting, but I did the work for him anyway and charged him my normal rate for it. Probably more than he would have done. But um, beside the point, um, I have I have a problem in that. For me, it's a respect thing. I go there, and part of my job is to understand other people's jobs, to to assimilate yeah. information and create software that helps them do their job better. That is essentially what I do. I am a people person without really wanting to be a people person. I have to understand them and I have to thoroughly understand their business and their business logic and their business processes and everything to really help them. I am automatically figuring out how everybody works in a, in a not personally, their business when I'm, when I'm at a business networking, but nobody seems to care or want to care uh, or, or want to put the effort into understanding what I do. I say nobody. There's a few people, you know, the more of the techie group, that the PR guy in particular, for some reason, was very analytical and wanted to to learn a lot about me. And we had lots of one to ones and conversations about things. But it frustrates me a little bit that that glassy eyed kind of ignorance and mm. disrespect. I, I, well, I look at it as see. I this is the this is not necessarily a problem in networking. This is just a problem in human nature in general. Um, is you're going to get people who have their own agendas, and that agenda doesn't include other people unless it gets them something. Or you know, if you're not going to be a potential client, why should I listen to anything you have to say? If you're not going to help me, you know, get my lawn done, why should I talk to you? If you're not going to be the person who I'm going to be playing tennis with, why should I talk to you? There are people like that because human nature. Up. It is. It is very mm -hmm. human nature. I mean, there's um, there's an individual in uh, the group that I'm in in the WordPress community that when I'm around them, I feel really bad. Like. They, they rub me the wrong way. And it comes from a comment that was made during a session. Everyone was, you know, doing a sort of a, a lesson about theming and how to, you know, use the hooks and how to use the loop and how you would theme your own side of WordPress and things like that. And the person, you know, was so adamant about removing any form or sign of WordPress anywhere and never giving the clients access to their own websites. And like, it it almost seemed um, 
immoral to me because I'm the kind of individual who wants to teach, who wants to educate. I want to empower my clients because if something happens to me or they turn around one day and go, you know, I've loved working with you, but I'm going to go somewhere else. I want them to feel empowered to make an educated decision. And I, it felt to me like they were taking that responsibility away, but that is just how they ran things. That is how they felt they needed to do things in order to secure their clients, their reputation, their work. And you know what? So be it. That's their thing. But it isn't mine. But it does make it uncomfortable for me at times. Does that stop me? No. I just acknowledge and accept the fact that we work completely different. It takes all sorts to make this world work. It really does. And thus, in networking, whether you're in peer or business, you're going to run across those people who are literally going to be going, uh-huh, yep, yeah, so that's what you do, I'm glad, uh-huh, yeah, I'm so glad, yeah, yeah, uh-huh, and then you're going to run across the people who go, I have no idea what you're talking about, but I want to. Can yeah, try me? and make me understand. Uh, to be fair, I see that as a challenge for myself. I like to be I able to- I love educating the uneducated. It's mm. not- I, I mean, I, I absolutely thrive on, on the certain people I'm working with at the moment that that listen to what I'm saying and they accept change is going to happen and they want to make change happen or they can at least see a light at the end of a tunnel, you know, and they, they can see that what I'm trying to do is going to be helpful for them and the business. Um, I, I also love to teach and I, I come across so many people that don't, they they keep the cards close to the chest they keep that proprietary information to themselves and i don't know if it's an insecurity or i don't know if it's just the inability to communicate very it could well be the culture as well it could be a culture it, it, it is definitely a culture in some instances in fact um but i i don't i'm not like that and i never will be i, I again i have been i think when i was younger but these days it's more about as you said empowering people giving people the information and hoping that and it's burned me a few times. I've given them the information and they've went and hired someone cheaper. Or they've they've went off and used that information in a way that didn't include me, you know, and I've lost out. But that's the risk you run. And I think I do better for giving people information, especially um, mor morally, in my own head. You know, I, I, I feel better about being well, yeah. a giving I, person. <laughs> for example... Um there is a client that uh, both uh, Sarah and I work with together and they needed help to do something because they didn't know how to make something work. And I put time aside in my schedule to ensure that I could educate them in the entire time that I was walking them through this. I said, I could write you a tutorial and send it to you. I, I could, you know, share my screen and show you how to do things, or I can have you do it. And I have found it's best to make you do it. So I stayed with them the entire time. And they kept saying like every 10 to 15 minutes, you're so patient. You're, you're so patient. I, I feel like, I'm like, don't worry. I'm here until you understand. I'm here until you get this because what good is this information if you can't replicate it, if you can't duplicate it? And they were like, yeah, I understand, but you're so patient. I'm like, it's, it's, I'm like, I, it's, it, it, it's, it's shocking to me how strange she thought that was. It's a and, cult that is a cultural thing, though. And I've, I've seen that very recently as well. People saying, 
thank you for your time and and have you are, are you sure you've got time even though i've said repeatedly said i will give you all of the time that you need i will train you i will help you i will give you it's the information into you the need. contract for me to train you Come well on. <laughs> sometimes it is but that's again just my nature i want to yeah. offload information to people I, I love doing that i love i love it when they go away and they have that moment of oh Oh, this is going to make my life better. This is going to make my job easier. This is, you know, whatever I'm doing, I like that. That's that's my that's my. Um, it's it's non-monetary, but it's my payment. You know, it's the way that I I, I get off on it a little bit. It, I suppose. It, it, <laughs> you know what? You know what? You know what? It fills for me. If we want to look at it, sort of like gaming, it it doesn't fill the social. What it fills for me is the feeling of accomplishment. Because if I walk away and someone is one button closer to understanding how to publish something on a website, I feel good. But rolling back to the networking side of things, um, we had a question come in from Tultepe, and I think this is a fantastic question, and thus I'm going to ask it. So how important would you say networking is from an employee perspective? In my company, it's pretty much looked at as a waste of time. Now, I'm going to jump in on this real quick first. Here in the United Kingdom, a lot of companies like to put aside time for team building exercises. Sometimes they're really, really horrible. And it is one of those things where you just laugh at the stupidity of a big conglomerate trying to get 60 people at a location all doing the exact same thing. And it's trust building exercises and all the good stuff that goes with it. Ah! <laughs> to spend the However, tax money at the end of the year, you mean? Yeah, mm -hmm. exactly. <laughs> it's in the budget. We got to spend it before the end of the fiscal year quick. Exactly. Yeah. That's usually when it happens. However, I have witnessed both being part of that and seeing what happens from the outside. When you have a company and there are different departments like Sazzle, Sarah, sorry, I call her Sazzle. <laughs> so of course I'm saying that. Like Sarah said, in her, when she was working in the company, she had the arts department in one section. They were close to the IT department. Never the twain shall they meet, but they shall try to speak using semaphores or whatever other language they could figure out to make certain they could get their jobs done. Now, in the work setting, you're stuck like that. If you can, pick up your two departments, move them outside of work environment, put them somewhere else. All of a sudden, people start talking about things that don't have anything to do with work and people stop seeing the, oh, they're the IT department. That's Bob. Bob likes to go horseback riding and is a damn good GM for his D&D &D team. You know, or that is Julia. And she hates Game of Thrones, but she absolutely loves Jim Henson. They're no longer this uh, autonomous entity. They're an individual. And it changes how you interact with them once you are put back into those halls. Mm -hmm. To me, networking among employees across different departments, even the same department, because just because you're sitting in the same department doesn't mean you have much time to interact with each other, is almost a requirement for a healthy environment and culture. Even if the group gets together and goes, oh my God, we're doing trust building exercises. That's the entire group getting together going, we're doing trust exercises. Hey, maybe I'll learn to juggle. I say uh, that because my husband learned to juggle at one of these things. <laughs> so. I personally think from an employee perspective, networking, um, business networking is almost useless because you're not, you're not, that's, that is to get 
essentially to get clients. business clients. Yeah. If you do some freelancing on the side, then yeah, maybe. Um, but I think uh, the other type of networking, the peer type of networking, the, the the getting in with a group of people that enjoy doing the same thing as you do, whatever it is, it could be LAN parties, it could be it could be coding, it could be something to do with work. It might not be. It might be something completely unrelated. But I think keeping it in the context of work, I think it is still important to do that because it teaches you. In fact, I would say it's even more important because as a contractor, I get the opportunity to work with lots of different cultures and lots of different uh, developers and lots of different types of people all the time. Every company is different. And I get a very wide spread of knowledge and a very broad understanding of the world. Whereas if you're an employee and you work somewhere for 20 years, you've got 20 years experience of one thing, of doing one thing with that company and in one culture, and you don't understand how the rest of the world works. So again, bouncing off other people, getting information, uh, this new framework that's in coding senses, this new framework's come out, or this new this new programming language is now all the, you know, the rage, um, and this is why, and this is why it's cool, and these are the pros and cons of it. That conversation is very much worth having in my eyes. Um, mm. And I, I would say that would be the same for almost anything. What do you think, Sarah? Just from my own experience, I've only worked in maybe two or three big companies where there was more than 50 employees. So getting a chance to meet everybody on the team or people out in a warehouse environment was kind of impossible. And it was never really encouraged. When I started working for, in the more creative industry, it was maybe eight to 10 people at most. So you worked with everybody, your financers, your project managers, your art director, your, you know, your creative director, you worked with everybody one-on-one, -on -one. even the person at the front desk who was able to juggle all the phone calls and incoming and outgoing emails. You knew who everybody was, you knew their name, you knew their hobbies and their interests. And it was a much easier way to work because these are people you look at like, oh, they're not just co-workers or not just my boss like here's a human being behind that name when i worked in the the last big company i worked in um we sold a lot of outdoor furniture very luxury style items and so you know the creative department it department were slightly close to each other we had a we were in the e-commerce department so anything that was going to be up on the website or email blasts or anything in a digital format that's what we did even the print department because we printed these you know almost 500 page catalogs for all the products we would bring out every you know quarter we'd bring out a new catalog we have the photographers in their own dark room and everybody was separate we did have over the year and a half i was working there we did have big company wide parties and each department would get to pick a theme and they would and everybody in all the departments would bring food associated with that theme the one that we got was a mexican theme and there was this guacamole, you know, fight, essentially, like, hey, who makes the best guacamole? And it was between the financial department and the print department. And there was a few photographers that came in really close. And it was interesting because we usually were so segregated. Every month they would do like two giant sheet cakes for month birthdays. So instead of everybody getting a separate birthday, because they had so many employees, like, oh, everybody gets a sheet cake, your name's written on one of the cakes. So and at lunchtime, you can come by and get a piece of cake. Most of the time, though, unless we had those big parties, 
interdepartment communication to just come by and say hi, it was completely frowned upon. Like, oh, no, you shouldn't disturb the financial department. They've got numbers to crunch. You're trying to take care of stuff. Don't talk to the administrative department. They're busy. You don't need to talk to them because they're not on your team. You need to talk to your department manager, your team leader. So we were, it was considered, it was very much like, oh, this is a waste of time because you're, you're on the clock. You need to do your job. It was nice to do happy hours with just our team. And we would bring in the print department, the IT department, like, hey, we're going to go to the bar that's up the street. We're going to do their happy hour, do some appetizers and just, you know, hang out and get to know each other. And it wasn't even, I wouldn't necessarily consider that networking. I just call that socializing. Yeah. Like, hey, let's let's get to know this human being that I've been emailing that I can't get these passwords to work correctly. I need everything reset. Like, why is my computer blowing up? And I'm standing behind them while they're on my computer, like just praying, like, are you going to fix it? Are you going to fix it? I've got a project to do because we're so centric on what we have to get done at by the end of the day, or we have this looming deadline. We don't really have the permission to go around and just be human. We're there, we're the cog in the machine. And I got really worn down by that. I would go out for pure you know, networking. I'd find other creatives because I also do, you know, art and illustration. I'd meet up with my artist friends and we'd just sit around, drink wine and critique each other's work. Like, oh, it's so mentally refreshing to do it that way instead. Mm. It's, she's so eloquent. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I, I got completely lost in the eloquence of her statement. Um, so we've had a couple of things pop up in chat and I want to bring them up because I think they're interesting. So we've had Volzkrat. 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 Probably. Because um, when we were talking about how people hold things close to their chest, um, do you feel that this not wanting to share knowledge is in general more of a problem in certain fields? For example, programmers are more prone than this than, say, artists? I'm actually going to say it really doesn't matter what field you're in. Mm -hmm. You're going to run across those who hold things tight to their chest, and you're going to run across those who don't. Can, and, I, inter can I interject on that real quick? Go right ahead. However, programmers. <laughs> when when I started when I started freelancing as a solo, I kept everything close to the chest when all these other new upcomers were just coming out of college. They were asking me because I I've been out of school for a while and they were asking me and I was trying like, oh no, no, I don't want to share this information. And then I started really immersing myself in the community and feeling like I'm being selfish with the information and experience that I have. If people could avoid the hurdles I had to jump what harm does it do to share that? Why not make someone else's life easier? And that makes me happy knowing that my job makes other people's jobs easier. Mm. And then yeah. they appreciate that. And then they come back to you because you're a reliable well of information. And maybe one day they'll share something with you completely, you know, unprompted. And you're like, oh, that's really neat. It's, it's really... I, I had to grow out of it because I was very secretive. I'm like I was very like, no, I'm not going to tell you my secrets. Go away, fresh out of you might college, win business young that person. I, I would otherwise get. I, I was exactly the same. I, that's exactly what I was saying earlier on. I, I, I used to be when I was younger, very mm. insular, this, I suppose. I, I'm wondering if this is uh, just because of some of the things I've gone through in school you are taught to hold everything close to your chest because if you don't, then you can be seen as cheating. 
You know, you can be seen as stealing someone else's uh, work or copycatting, and it can be very, very bad. Plagiarism and all that other stuff is like you can't even collaborate in some cases because collaboration, mm. unless it, it's the designated group project, can hurt your grade. In fact, it will come back at you. I mean, you're kind of trained that way in school. And in the um, professional world, everybody's seen as your competitor. So if you exactly. share all that information, you're just making it easier for them to get all the work versus you. Exactly. And interestingly enough, for me, I always had a problem with that. So while we were, uh, while I was in university, you know, we would be constantly getting work. I mean, that's just the way university is. You have to write lots of papers. And I had a blog that I kept just throwing my information and my thoughts and things into about what I was learning because I, I thought sharing is the way to go. I've always kind of had that open source sort of mentality, um, if you want to give it a term. And um, then I had people reaching out to me going, do you know people are stealing your work and using it as their own answers with teachers? And I was like, great. It's and happen. I had to shut it mm. down. I had to shut down that. And it really hurt me because I felt like, one, if you're going to steal that blatantly and not try to change it or cite my sources, you're a dick. I'm mm. sorry. But if you use the knowledge that I have put down to help expand your research and you just go, yeah, so I found on this website, this girl said this thing and it got me thinking about this. So I went and I did a little more research on this. By all means, do that. Use it to grow. Don't use it to replace your own thoughts. I want people to be empowered to think for themselves. Well, so that's why I, licenses it, exist, uh, isn't it? And software. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, so you can control, at least on a legal level, uh, what people can use the open source software that you provide for. And that doesn't mean they're not going to use it for illegitimate reasons, but it still means that you've got some comeback at some point if they read it. Okay. At least you tried. Yeah, yeah. At least you tried. You tried. El Gordino says um, he couldn't agree more. And I'm assuming this has to do with the fact that we're talking about the peer networking within a company. Because it's been a while since we've all been in a big company. We're, we're all so used to sort of working for our own companies. <laughs> but uh, he says the healthiest teams go for a beer slash whatever now and then. Even if it's once a year for 50 people get together, it needs that space for everyone to unwind and connect on a human level. Now, I know El Gordino has worked in some big companies before, so yeah, that makes sense. And uh, uh, Volstrat said, uh, in my company, which is around 60 employees, it's fairly common to walk into another office and have a chat, work-related or not, with other people. We're not mm -hmm. sure how management views this, but I have a feeling without this informal and unofficial communication channel, the company would stop working. I agree. I'm a I, I'm a massive advocate of of the agile process in in software. You'll have companies. to explain that to Sarah. So the agile process essentially, it it's less about process, even though a lot of process is involved in it, and it's more about the people and it's more about communicating. It's about having small succinct meetings. Um, we have let's in a scrum stand up for example we'd have a scrum stand up every morning the entire team that's working on a piece of software will get up stand up 10 to 15 minutes so there's five people everyone gets a few seconds to say what they've done yesterday what they're doing today and if they're blocked by anything anything more complicated than that is taken offline and then they, they talk about it between themselves everybody then knows roughly what what state the project is in at the beginning of every morning it's very very quick and it advocates people talking to each other it 
everything we do, all of the documentation we put together, this thing's called user stories, where we focus on what the user does with the, the software. We, we use those to initiate conversation. They're sparse on purpose. They don't have that much information in them, but they give you just enough information to get the salient points and figure out what you need to do and who you need to talk to to get the answers you need. And I'm a massive fan of that. I didn't used to be. I didn't really fully understand it. But now these days, I totally get it and, and I'm on board. You've and jumped the bandwagon. I have totally jumped the bandwagon. <laughs> but the reason it's important is because it, because it advocates that communication process, because it gets people to get up and go from right oh hang on right i've got a, a i've got a sum I, I need to do a really complicated sum for this particular procedure let's get up i know i know jeff in the the finance department i was speaking to him at the water cooler the other week i'll i'll go and ask him and see if he can help and you go and chat to them and he's like well no that that i don't know the answer to that but if you go and speak to suzanne over there she she knows that you know that gets it going and you're not taking much time out of people's um day for that you're taking seconds out of the day well, see, it, that's the thing. It's got to be done right, okay? There is a bad way to do the informal networking uh, throughout the day, and there's a good way to do it. The bad ones are, if you see, and this is coming from someone who puts code in her face, if you see fingers flying across keyboard, code producing on screen, headphones on, send me a message and I'll get to it when I have a moment. Even if I have paused and I'm sitting back, sitting there tapping my thumb to my chin as I am pausing for a moment because something is trolling in my brain, does not give you license to walk up and try and have a 45-minute conversation with me about the project you are currently working on. Because, oh my God, I will kill you if I lose my train of thought. Right, so that, <laughs> that is, you, you, you touched on a very important point there. In that instance, I am absolutely open this is what this is where programmers get a bad rep. I absolutely open to somebody coming and tapping on my shoulder and saying, "Oh, I need to talk to you about this, Chris." Okay, right. I'm just in the middle of this. I'll let me get to the end of this procedure and then I'll come and chat to you. That again is agile. That is a, we, we we're speaking See, to each other, but we we don't fine. we don't drop everything mm -hmm. and immediately that's move on to this next thing because you never yeah. get anything done. That's mm -hmm. that's fine. It's the one who, when you say, "I'll be with you in a second," I go, "Yeah, but." Yeah, but me, sir. Well, Don't no, yeah, but that's me. not that's not all their fault. You need to clearly communicate that back to them and say, okay. right, it's just going to take a while." But if I it have is. also seen that they <laughs> that they like, look. It's only going to take a moment. I do not care. Give me the time I need to finish this thought, and then I will get to you. And they still keep going. I'm just saying, there's a good way and a bad way. The other mm. bad way is if you're using it to subvert a process. Yes. So, for example, hey, do you mind just changing the color for me real quick on that one little button you've got there? No. no. Change log it. Log a ticket, and then we'll get log onto it. That is the process. It, it has exactly. to happen that way, and that isn't being obstinate. That is enabling productivity. Yes. Without a doubt. So, There's nothing worse than trying to figure out what happened. <laughs> so, <laughs> before... Why. Well, we're running a little bit late, but I do. there's one key point that I just want to touch on before we before we finish the show, which is how does somebody start networking? There's a very easy way, in my opinion. Find something that interests you and look for groups that have something to do with that interest. It's that simple. So, for example, if you want to do business relation things, there are so many business networking things, you know, psh, just look up business networking groups. 
have you, at it. They will all charge as well, though. Oh, yes. They will have some kind of fee for, ranging in, in the UK from £50, uh, sorry, £30 a month. You pay some kind of initiation fee to stand yeah. and put, put a book on your head. And and, and some people and say, do it just so that they can put on their website this little badge that means bugger all if mm-hmm. you want to get blunt. Mm-hmm. The um, other thing is you just pick a topic that interests you and there's websites like Meetup. Yeah. You know, that that one is so big for so many different topics. It's insane. Um, there's also local Reddit groups as well for a lot of different topics. There's so many things that you can find. It's just, if you're interested in cars, look for people who specialize in the type of car you're interested in. If you're interested in skydiving, Look for people who either talk about skydiving or not. If you're interested in photography and skydiving, look for people who like to take their GoPro skydiving. There, you know, there is there is a group for everybody out there. I'm, I'm a there, big, there is. I'm a big and advocate of groups. Because uh, I can guarantee you, you will find other people who want that group and they just didn't know it existed. And even just going to stores of things that you're interested in. Like I'm a runner. So I go to the running stores and they have a community board like, Oh, there's all these breweries. I mean, I live in Cincinnati, Ohio. We have a brewery like every five feet around here. (laughs) And depending on what time of the year or time of the week, there's always like, Hey, we have this meetup for people that are amateur poetry writers, or we have amateur comedians, or we have, you know, battle of the bands. And even just like, go into a Starbucks. We all have community boards there. There's always an event going on. Like, oh, there's improv here. There's, for the running stores, there's these groups. Like, oh, we'll meet at this brewery. We're going to run a couple of miles. It's every week. And then we end at the brewery and we have a beer. We sit and we just hang out. And it doesn't even have to be something that's related to your career. It could just be a hobby or something you might be interested in trying. You know, mm. go to a, if you want to get into board games, go to a gaming store. They usually have like, you know, open board game nights or like, hey, it's a free comic book day. Like go to the comic book store. I mean, that's just stuff that I'm aware of. Even like my favorite bars, there's always some kind of like, hey, here's trivia. That's a great way to meet people too, because you're oh, having a good time. Exactly. Meetup is really here. good too. Pub quizzes are cutthroat here. I'm just going to warn you. <laughs> They're different than quizzes in the United States. We're oh, yeah. pretty People... lax about it in America, but when it, it, the first you don't thing anybody's. What, you don't know what alcohol it's... is. You don't know what real, real drunk people in pubs <laughs> is about. <laughs> well, we, we don't have pub quizzes in bourbon bars for a reason. Huh, we right. have them in we have them in breweries and just regular like bar places for bar quizzes and stuff, but it's never the hard liquor houses because we know better. Mm. <laughs> we don't. <laughs> yeah, they, they get very competitive here. Even the team names get competitive here. That's oh, it's a competition. Yeah. It's, it's a meta competition within. That's the, the only competition we have. Are the team names? Whoever has the most raunchiest or the funniest <laughs> or the most topical usually gets a bonus point from the the game master. But after that, it's like it's not funny anymore because we're losing. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so we are getting close to the end of our show. We're actually pushing a little bit over time, and we do apologize. We hope you are willing to stick with us as we hit our RTFMs. Oh yeah, this totally. is our chance to actually rant. About something that might be irritating is just to get it off our chest. You know how we said as a networking side of thing, it's a matter of sharing the positives and the mm-hmm. negatives. I always, for me, feel that once I've said the RTFM in a show, I'm able to let it go and just, you know, move on from it. So consider this group therapy. 
<laughs> and it can be about anything. It can be about work, it could be about clients. Although we generally just say, if something's irritating you, just spit it out. So um, do you have one, Chris? I don't have anything specific. I'm just so tired at the moment. I'm so tired of <laughs> of battling this uphill battle. Uh, I, I am utterly drained by repeating, by people trying to solve problems that have already been solved by another industry that I happen to be an expert in and they've asked me, to, they're paying me to come in and solve the, the problems and they're not, and there's constant friction and it's 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 getting to the point now where i i've nearly had enough and i haven't been there for so many years because most of the work that i do I, I thoroughly enjoy this is a challenge it's very it's very challenging it's got past the point where i feel like i'm i'm giving the business a uh a, a more benefit and I, i'm just it's it's draining me so I'm not I'm not ranting about anything specific. I'm just so tired. And if you're listening, anybody who I'm working with, please, please just lay off a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have an RTFM, Sarah? Oof. Nothing specific. I was I'm currently finishing up a project for a wayfinding program where uh, in Northern Kentucky, we're putting all these bourbon barrels and all these artists are painting them. So they're gonna be these fun little interactive pieces around the neighborhood because for those who don't know, Cincinnati was called Porkopolis because back in the 1800s, we made a ton of pork products. Like that's how we got the nickname and our, our city animal is a flying pig. So we have these statues everywhere of flying pigs painted with like different scenes or they're in front of different businesses like or in front of different theaters. So Northern Kentucky's like, well, we've got bourbon, we want our own thing. And so it's all bourbon barrels. And the last month and a half, I've been painting this stupid barrel and being an artist, I'm never satisfied with my own work. It looks exactly like the prototype design. I laid out digitally. I sent to the client. They loved it. They approved it. I'm like, cool. And I start painting it like, this doesn't look right. Why doesn't it not look right? I hate this. I hate this. And I spent weeks painting this stupid thing. And it's the barrel is done. It's getting delivered on Saturday. And it's like, I just, I, I look at it and it's like... Oh, because I saw other people's barrels and it's like all that self-comparison, like, oh, they're so much better at this than I am. Why does mine suck so bad? I've been doing this for like 30 years. Oh, I hate myself. I suck. I'm going to crawl into a hole and never come out. That's the thing I've been dealing with for the last month. It's imposter syndrome. Uh, it's, it uh, is. And it never goes away no matter how old you are. I've spoken to professionals, like artists that are in their 60s, and they still self-doubt all the time self-deprecation even though the work they produce it's like oh my god can i just crack your head open and take away your talent because i could never get that good but no it's always there it's just how you deal with it yeah it is we will have an episode on imposter syndrome soon by the way it, we've we've had a couple it brought up a couple of times aha mm. uh -huh, yes uh in, in my particular case um my rtfm is so surreal i'm annoyed at food in general in general <laughs> and it's and it's it's more the concept of the fact that you know i i get hungry everyone gets hungry we all have to eat to survive but of late there has not been a single type of food that has really 
interested me Ooh. at all. Wow. Like at all. Uh, I, I'd be like, you know, usually <laughs> mad props to Gwincy Poo, who is in chat, who is my husband. He'll be like, what are you craving? Because he knows how it works with me. It's usually I've got a particular <laughs> craving. Let's satisfy it. And he's very open to all types of foods and things. And I'm usually like, oh, I could go for some beef or oh, some type of chicken meal or oh, some kind of pasta. Of late, I think of food and I just nothing, nothing excites me about it at all. So my RTFM is simply the fact that food needs to get more exciting. I'm with I'm with Sulacoin chat. I'm too interested in food at the moment. I hate being controlled by it. I I've come <laughs> come out of this, I said that a few years ago. I've said it a million times on the podcast, but I lost seven stone and yes. three years into having maintained having lost that, but I just want to eat everything all the time and I want all of the bad stuff and 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 I've, I sometimes I just can't control myself and I eat an entire big bas like box of hobnobs with chocolate on them and just mm. do you know what oh. we have biscuits in this house and we get them very rare chalky biscuits chalky biscuits the worst as thing for you as well Mm, and we so have we get them so rarely in this house because what ends up happening is Dan will sit down and I'll go, I'll have a chalky biscuit. I'm like, okay. <laughs> and then I'll turn and the thing is gone. It's empty. And he's like, I ate the whole thing. Yep. But it's so rare. So we, we don't buy them anymore because to have them in the house is to tempt him. It's exactly me, why we don't. For me, it's like I, I used to have this complete obsession with carrots like the sweetness, the crunch of them, the the slight watery feel of like, I love carrots. Absolutely love them to the point where if that was the only thing I could ever eat for the rest of my life, I probably would. But now just the thought of carrots, I'm just like, eh, guess I'll eat because I have to, because I'm hungry. Like nothing at all gets to me. So my RTFM is that. There's a, there's ah. a dip. Volstrat has just said, uh, you have to treat yourself every once in a while. Yes, but a packet of biscuits every Tuesday is not a treat. <laughs> well, that's, that's not once in a while, no. though, Chris. No. That is a regularly that's scheduled way too, bin. Way too often. <laughs> I, I go around a friend's house to play computer games on a Tuesday night, and he offers me a biscuit, much to his chagrin, because um, the, 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 the entire thing's gone. I've actually taken to start in taking biscuits round to say sorry, and then eating the biscuits before he even puts them in his biscuit bottle. <laughs> Last well, last week, I took our entire thing of hobnobs plus bo um, bourbons plus custard creams. It's ridiculous. It's utter, uh, it's out of control, and I need to I need to chill out. <laughs> right. Anyway, I, sorry. I, okay. I, fin I finished a pint of ice cream at twelve thirty this morning because I wasn't tired. I'm like I'm kind of hungry, and well, I didn't work out today, but it's Halo Top, so it's really low calorie, and it's half empty. And then I wake up this morning like I ate ice cream at midnight. I am a sad person. <laughs> Aw, okay. And thankfully, it was the end of the pint, so I don't have any more temptation. <laughs> yeah, that's how you get rid of temptation. That's, what, that's how you I work it. it. It's not but, here. I'm not buying anymore. A, it's gone. On a Friday, we'll go out. Oh, sorry, we'll go out and have. We'll have cheat day on a Friday, and that's our regular thing. We'll go out for a meal, me and the wife, and then the entire weekend turns into cheat weekend. And I buy things at the supermarket and bring it home, and I'm like, I'll finish them before the end of the weekend, and then it'll be all right, won't it? And then the end of the weekend comes, and I'm eating everything. And I've, I've, God knows how many calories it is. Anyway, food. Uh, I love food. Yes. So we are now at the end of our show. Thank you to absolutely everybody in Twitch chat. Chris, you were saying Volt's name correctly, so I'm going to let you do it again. Volstrat. 
Yes. And then El Gordino, Toltepe, Sulaco, and, you know, absolutely everybody else who has been around chatting with us today. Uh, we hope for all of you listening in the future, and for those of you who are unaware and who are listening to us in the future, my husband just walked by and waved. So, yes, we hope you'll join us live in the future at twitch.tv slash stream. Finally, a special thank you to you, Sarah, for joining us. I do hope you've enjoyed yourself. Oh, this was a blast. Thank you for having me. And feel free to pimp yourself, your social channels, your company, pimp your side projects, whatever you want to do. Pimp. Oh, the only network, well, the only social networkers that I'm on is really Instagram. It's at, at Fireman Studio. So if you want to look at pictures of my dog or my runs that I go on or things that I drink or occasionally the artwork that I make, you can find it there. Or my more professional stuff is on Facebook at Fireman Studio. Yes, sad face. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta be professional somewhere. My Instagram is kind of a free for all because it, I'm the business, the business is me. My dog is the, the the office manager. I have to put her up somewhere. Thing is, this day and age, though, as soon as I change my one my Twitter account, that's why my Twitter is at Nineteen Ninjas because that was my game studio. As soon as I changed it from my game studio uh, as a persona to me and had my own photos on there, my own picture, and my own name, people engage with me a lot more. It's about people these days. People yes. want to know you, not not yes. your business and not what you're selling. Yeah. Your brand means nothing. It is the people with the brand that mean everything it is. Mm -hmm. it is and this is one of the reasons i get hired <laughs> <laughs> so our time our turn to pimp um visit our website on www.dnistream.live for all links to our social media channels discord dev chat and podcast discovery platforms uh, you can also use our contact form to contact us for any reason uh, for the show yes and we hope to see you all next week 7 p.m uk time twitch.tv slash dni stream and all that is left is for us to say goodbye good night goodbye good, good night chris <laughs>